The extra holidays they observe during the Christmas season in Spain means there's more than one jolly old soul who brings children their presents. Ask any kid in Madrid. Do you believe in Papá Noel or do you believe in the three wise men? And they answer to me, we believe in both. Coming up, we learn about the traditions that make the season bright in Madrid and the special foods they prepare for the holidays in Sicily. In Berlin, festive outdoor Christmas markets help to make the shopping fun. Imagine you can do your Christmas shopping without the stress because you get a hot, spicy wine standing next to your neighbors who are just doing the same thing. You have a little chat. And in Ireland, you can expect company this time of year. And for two solid weeks, it's visiting. You never lock your door. People come in, come out. But in the remote outer Hebrides, it stays kind of quiet until New Year's. New Year is a chance to welcome you into each other's homes because going back in, in historical times, the door was always open. Come along for European Christmas memories. It's Travel with Rick Steves. I know this year's holidays are kind of difficult for a lot of people, but we can get through this together without compromising any safety protocols. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. This year's holidays are a lot more reflective than jolly as we stay home and don't travel. So I'm hoping that the traditions of our friends from around Europe will do a little to brighten your holidays, and that next year our celebrations will be more meaningful and fun than ever. Wishing you good cheer from all of us at Travel with Rick Steves. In Europe, Christmas time starts in early December and continues through January 6th with age-old traditions that bring the family together and connect you with earlier generations. While most of the Christmas markets and public celebrations are cancelled for safety reasons this year, today on Travel with Rick Steves, we've invited friends from Berlin and Madrid, Sicily, Ireland, and the remote Scottish Hebrides to share what makes the holidays special where they live. Let's start with the festive atmosphere you'll normally find at the outdoor Christmas markets in Germany. Berliners Iris, Andre, and Fabian Reuger join us now. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having Fabian, what is unique about a German Christmas market? They're, they're so popular with American travelers these days. I think it's the spirit of German Gemütlichkeit. Usually Gemütlichkeit is associated with, the, with a bar or a pub, but Germans feel very gemütlich on the Christmas market. Imagine you can do your Christmas shopping without the stress because you will walk over the Christmas market in between shops and you get a hot, spicy wine standing next to your neighbors who are just doing the same thing. You have a little chat, and then you just keep on doing what you're doing. And it sounds, by the way you're referring to this, is not a touristy thing. I mean, it's tourists to make it uh, popular, but it's also enjoyed by the local people. Iris, Fabian just talked about Gemütlichkeit. What is Gemütlichkeit? It's a, a unique sort of uh, word. It stands for coziness. Coziness. Yes, warmth, quietness, a time off with your friends. So there's a conviviality, and uh, as Fabian said, this hot-spiced wine might add a little bit to exactly. the Exactly. It's a time where it's hard time to leave and go home because you don't want to leave that atmosphere. And uh, you find that at a Christmas market. When are the Christmas—I know they're celebrated at Christmas time, but how early do they start in the season and, and when do they close down? 
For most parts, uh, they should be starting on the first weekend of Advent. Four Sundays before Christmas. Four Sundays before Christmas, exactly. But also some Christmas markets now, they start towards the end of November because they want to have more of a season. Stretch the shopping season. We do that in the United States. It's a big kind of uh, discussion. Should we be decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving? Exactly. The same dynamic in Germany. Yes, Fabian, there's uh, Christmas markets everywhere in Germany these days, uh, in Austria and Switzerland, also in other countries. Uh, The most famous, I think, in Germany is in Nuremberg. Why is the Nuremberg Christmas market so beloved? There are several things that come together to make the Nuremberg Christmas market special. First of all, because you're in the heart of a really ancient city with a beautiful castle at the center. You feel like you're in a medieval city. They take great pride in their Christmas market, so the lighting is, I think, very special. And then there are a few Christmas sort of sweet specialties that are typical for Nuremberg, like their particular Lebkuchen, the gingerbread. Oh, the gingerbread. Uh, which is an essential part of Christmas. To me, it's so essential that no matter where I am on earth at any moment around Christmas time, I need to have German gingerbread for Christmas or it's not Christmas for me. Whoa. What other sort of special uh, traditions would you find when you go to Nuremberg? There are Pfefferkuchen, which are um, small... Uh, gingerbread, really, literally it means pepper cookies or pepper cakes. I know those. Those are delightful. They're yeah. delightful. Iris, in Nuremberg, there's this um, delightful Christkind. Can you describe the Christkind? The Christkind is a young girl or a young woman who is dressed up almost angel-looking-like, and she stands above the Christmas market, and she gives a Christmas market opening speech to the crowd, and it's a big event for the Nuremberg Christmas market, which they want to see. So she's like the queen of Christmas. Oh, yes. And she kicks off the festival. She has that job for two years, and then it's moved on to another young lady, and they take big pride to be the Christkind. German tour guides Fabian Reuger and Iris Andre are telling us about the festive Christmas markets that we can plan to enjoy again next year in Germany, right now on Travel with Rick Steves. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. Michael's calling from Denver in Colorado. Michael, have you been to Nuremberg for the Christmas festival? Oh, absolutely. I was there in the early uh, 1970s, and my question has to deal with uh, what I call prune men. They made little stick figures out of prunes with a walnut for the head. I don't know what the origin of that was or, or whether they still do it or if it's still just in Nuremberg that they do that. You know, I've been to several Christmas markets, Michael, and I do know that Each market has artisans that make traditional little puppets and dolls by local, traditional, organic ingredients. And there's a very strict law in Nuremberg, at least, where everything needs to be locally made. They don't want stuff imported from China and so on. Everything needs to be not in disposable packages. They want to be very environmentally correct. So they're celebrating artisans. They're celebrating local production. And I remember when I was in Nuremberg, They even had a rule where you didn't have your hot spiced wine and take away styrofoam glasses, but everybody would have an actual glass. And when you bought your hot mulled wine, you paid a deposit. And uh, if you didn't bring your glass back, you'd lose your deposit. When you think about the Nuremberg Christmas market, Iris and Fabian, Michael is talking about these little prune men. What do you know about the quality of the uh, little gifts and and the, the handcrafted items you might find? What are some of the favorites that you remember? Of course, Christmas tree decorations. And yes, you're right, they have to be from the local area. They cannot 
come from China. What I like a lot are these candle pyramids. So you have candles on a kind of round wood-carved plate at the bottom, and on top of that, they would start to be moved by the heat, and another candle might be even on top of this. Yeah, I remember those and also the nutcrackers, and I still have a couple of the smokers that are made out of wood, and they have a man or a little figurine with a, a pipe, and you put the incense inside, and then the smoke comes out the little hole like he's smoking a pipe. So a traditional smoker, a prune man on a stick, uh, some nice gingerbread cookies, and a little hot mulled wine not to go but to stay. Sounds like a gemutlik Christmas time. Michael, thanks for your call. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Anne is calling from Fort Wayne in Indiana. Anne, are you dreaming about going to Germany? I am absolutely dreaming about going to Germany, especially at Christmas time, as I think about all of the great markets. One of the things I would love to take home as a souvenir from that trip is a cuckoo clock, something I've wanted since I was a kid. Now, how do you recommend I go about finding a cuckoo clock that was actually made in Germany? I know it's pretty easy to find anywhere in the world inexpensive knockoffs that were actually made in China. But what's your advice for shopping for a cuckoo clock in Germany? In fact, I think there's a wonderful dimension to your cuckoo clock shopping, and that would be going to the uh, German clock museum in the Black Forest. Yes, there's the Uhrenmuseum in... Uh, Where is uh, that? Also in the, in the Black Forest. It's um, near Gutach. Yeah, Gutach. And there's also the open-air folk museum there for traditional German culture. So, Anne, you could uh, go to the Black Forest, go to the open-air folk museum, Gutach, G-U-T-A-C-H, I believe, and then ask about the German clock museum, which I thought was spectacular. And then in any little town in the Black Forest, you can find good quality cuckoo clocks. How's that? That sounds perfect. I think you've just planned my itinerary for me. And Jim's calling from Richardson in Texas. Jim, are you planning a trip to Germany in the winter? Yes, I am, Rick. My problem is that when I go online, so many of the uh, markets look very similar. So I was wondering if your guests could give me some advice about which markets to go to. They're easy train rides from uh, Frankfurt. Jim, I'm going to do something that's a little contrary to the German National Tourist Board. I'm going to give you my hard opinion that these Christmas markets are essentially all the same. And if you've seen one, you've seen one. And that's about enough. And they're great. You could go to three of them, but you could just go to the same one for three times as long, and it would give you the same experience. And I'm not saying don't go in the winter at Christmas, but remember, Germany is great with or without Christmas markets. So see a Christmas market, or maybe two, but then spend time enjoying Germany, because Munich, Hamburg, Berlin, Nuremberg, there is so much to see and it's going to be winter, it's going to be cold, people will be in a great mood, but I wouldn't be so hung up on Christmas markets. Sorry about that, Fabian. Is that okay? <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually agree, because as you will find that as you travel through Germany by train, all of the cities are connected with train stations that are mostly in the heart of the city. That's where the Christmas markets are, so you almost cannot escape Christmas markets if you take trains in Germany in the winter from town to town. Mm-hmm. Makes your shopping easy as well, because if you saw something on the first Christmas market and you didn't get it there, don't be heartbroken. You will see it five <laughs> Christmas it. <laughs> markets down the road. Thanks for your call, Jim. All right, thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. And I'd like to finish our discussion of Christmas markets in Germany by talking a little bit about Berlin, because both of you are from Berlin. You live in Berlin now anyways, and Berlin has a famous Christmas market. Iris, what is the Christmas market in Berlin like? How would you describe it? Well, we have several different kinds. One are the ones that are like more commercial with like the Ferris wheel and all this. 
But we also have the more pretty ones, like at the Gendarmenmarkt or in front of Charlottenburg Castle, mm -hmm. which have beautiful settings. And those are the kinds that we prefer to go to. Now, my mind of a Christmas market is everybody is wearing dirndls and nice traditional clothes. Fabian, the least clichetically traditional environment I can think of is Berlin. Berlin is edgy. Berlin is surprising. Is there any little bit of Berlin's edginess that spills into its Christmas markets? I have to admit, Christmas markets for me in Berlin were always still Christmas markets. And it's almost as if Berlin decides in winter for the Christmas markets, we'll switch to old-fashioned mode just because we actually all love it so much. We all grew up with it. So the Christmas market, I think, at Gendarmenmarkt is my favorite. You actually, it's one of the few Christmas markets where you have to pay, I think, two euros yes. to get in. Mm -hmm. But it's also the classiest. The classiest. That's the Gendarmenmarkt. That's uh, very close to Unter den Linden in the center of town. And a beautiful place with or without the Christmas market, for sure. Fabian and Iris, I'm in Berlin, your hometown, and I've been to the Gendarmenmarkt, and I've had my fill, frankly, of Christmas markets, but I want to really get the feeling of the Christmas spirit in Berlin. Otherwise, what else might be going on Christmas time in Berlin? Not only in Berlin, but in the whole of Germany, on the morning of December 6th, you might want to see, be in somebody's house, because in a house with children, they will have put their shoes out, because overnight, Santa Claus has been there to give them the first preliminary judgment for the year. And they will probably find sweets in their boots, or if they have been not so nice, they will find a piece of coal in their shoes. December 6th. December 6th, and that's the official beginning of Christmas season. Iris, a few years ago when you were... <laughs> what was in your shoe? I was lucky I had nuts and chocolate. <laughs> you had nuts no, and chocolate? Yeah, no coal for me. <laughs> yeah, so I was you, lucky. You were a good little girl. Yes. Let me uh, finish by wishing you both and all of our listeners uh, in my best German Merry Christmas. Freue Weihnachten. Frohe Weihnachten. We'll hear about the designer Christmas displays in Madrid and what's cooking in the kitchens of Sicily next on Travel with Rick Steves. We'll learn what Mama's cooking for the holidays in Sicily and hear about the welcome you'd normally expect this time of year in Ireland in just a bit. But first, Madrileños Javier Menor, Amanda Budinger, and Federico Garcia Barroso join us now to look at the holiday traditions they expect to return again next year in Madrid. It's an interview we recorded a couple years ago. Feliz Navidad, everyone. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. What's unique in Madrid about celebrating Christmas, Javier? First of all, our Christmas, they're way longer than they are in the rest of the world because um, our children will get the presents delivered by the Three Kings. That will be Epiphany. So we have a huge parade on January the 5th. Epiphany. Okay, so that's 12 days after Christmas. So mm -hmm. that extends it. It does a lot. Kids must like that. No, because um, they get the presents by the three kings, and two days later they have to go back to school. Oh, so it's the mark of the end of this uh, mm -hmm. this sort of a fantasy. But they love having all those holidays. But they yeah. so, they yeah. do. I mean, they do have quite a good Amanda, time. all over mm -hmm. Europe, the Christmas calendar is, is quite long. And mm -hmm. Give us a review of the Spanish calendar around the Christmas time. One of my big events is the, the night they turn the lights on. End of November, they turn the lights on in Madrid, oh, so and everything's sort of illuminated. Now the Christmas season begins. Exactly. Is that exactly. kind of tied in with the shopping season, too? Um, a little bit. I think our shopping season has morphed into a different uh, style of shopping. I think it used to be closer towards Christmas time that people would be buying right. 
and then the sales would come after it. But now we're getting a lot of these. We even have a Black Friday sale. You do? Yes. And then things happen again closer towards Christmas where last-minute sales and that kind of thing. Probably learning from American marketing. Yeah. But this year it was interesting. In downtown Madrid, they actually designated the two main pedestrian streets in the shopping area one way and the other way. So you had to walk down a certain street and up a certain street in the high-season shopping time. Just because so, so many people coming down oh, to see I've the never lights, heard of that. to see the nativity scenes, to see the Cortilandia, which is the famous department store huh. display. You've, uh, you've enjoyed this paseo scene for 20 Christmases, I suppose. Yes. What's the... Uh, What's your favorite window shopping kind of experience? I have to say, it's not quite shopping, but it's the the Cortilandia, even before I had children. I think it's a it's a cheesy, wonderful, horrible <laughs> tradition all at the same time. And explain that again. They uh, take the facade of the department store and create a scene, kind of like, you know, in Disney World, it's a small world. Yeah. But it's a Christmas world okay. up there on the Cording List. All and so generations. Go, yeah. of everybody. Yeah. Everybody's a kid. It's true. And, and we, I'm not going to sing it, but we all have the song oh, in our yes. heads. Forever. And what is that song? Come on. I just said the name Cortilandia. Cortilandia. People young and old, it sounds oh. like a jolly time. Federico. It's just the spirit of Christmas, you know, just shopping, shopping and shopping from the middle of November, <laughs> you see. And then when I asked my Spanish kids, you see, hey, do you believe in Papa Noel, our Santa Claus? Do you believe in Papa Noel or do you believe in the three wise men? And they answered to me, we believe in both. Of course. They <laughs> <laughs> have both, yep. Now, when you're thinking about Spanish Christmas, Federico, what are your, some of your warmest childhood memories? Do you know what? I miss the snow, you know. Snow. I'm sorry to say something about global warming, but when I was a child, you see, the streets were there were plenty of snow everywhere. Oh, because Madrid's at like a mile high, isn't it? It's yeah. 5,000 feet above now, sea level. Well, we have that snow in those mountains, you see. Yeah. But, but I remember, you see, to go to the Christmas market, you see, with my parents and see snow everywhere. You've actually you noticed a difference. in Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now we still have snow, but it melts away. Do you have a song okay. in Spanish? I'm dreaming of a white oh, Yes, Christmas. we have several, several, of course. <laughs> Navidad, Navidad, Blanca. Navidad, you see, I and mean, it's there are Chris, the same Christmas, Christmas time, Christmas time, white Christmas time, Blanca Navidad. Exactly, huh. exactly. Uh, they are basically the same Christmas carols you see. In, in, in well, that is language. interesting. We have the the sacred carols, you know, O Holy Night, or Little Town of Bethlehem, mm. Silent Night. Are those basically the standard Christian Christmas carols that are just translated into Spanish? We have there some, are some something else, something I else. I could say, you know, from southern Spain in Andalusia, they really, really live that tradition in a deeper mm-hmm. way, and mm-hmm. they have that kind of uh, flamenco choir. You see, mm-hmm. and they are wow. you know, it's an explosion of happiness, singing and, and dancing in a flamenco. And these would way. be about the birth of Jesus. Mostly, yes, of and course. And they would yeah. be songs that I wouldn't know in the United States mm-hmm. or people in England wouldn't know. Are they still catchy where, where children sing them? And, oh, yeah, there are. And, and so on. Yeah. And kids and, and adults. And they are, I have to say that they are even quite popular in other places of Spain. Those are Spanish Christmas carols coming from Andalusia. I think the most beloved sacred carol is probably Silent Night in oh, a lot right. of countries. What would be the most beloved uh, Christmas carol in, in Spain? Maybe the same, Noche de Paz. Noche de Paz. Can you just sing a little bit of that for me? Uh, I just want to hear it in the Spanish. Federico, you're a good singer. No, but I don't really know the lyrics. Um, noche de paz, noche de amor, 
ha llegado okay. el Redentor. Okay. Maybe, you see. So, and then, <laughs> and then we would, of course, have the children's songs and the, and the goofy Santa Claus songs. Mm. Are those just translations of American songs, Jingle Bells? And some so? American songs, uh, also some German songs, you see, and, and uh, yes, those translations. Amanda, how, think, you see um, what I'm getting at, because I just wonder how song, uh, They're half and half. I think uh-huh. there are some that are pulled in and others that are new, mm. that are specifically to Spain. What's the uh, but I find Spanish I one? find Belen campanas de Belen. What does that mean? Uh, Belen, Bethlehem, uh-huh. the the bells of Bethlehem. The bells of Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So and I, I find something curious about the Spanish Christmases. I have a Christmas tree, and you start to see more and more Christmas trees. But really, what you see in homes are the nativity scenes. Okay. And mm-hmm. so that's a very big difference for me over the years that I've I've seen Christmas tree versus Belen. That's how we call it, the nativity. Mm-hmm. My mom, she's got a collection of over a hundred. Mm-hmm. A hundred mm-hmm. decorations for her yeah. uh, manger scene. Some of them could be just made carved in stone with Jesus Christ and uh-huh. Joseph and the Virgin Mary. That's mm-hmm. enough. That's uh-huh. a Belém already. Or like a, Christ- col- like a, a Disney col- Christmas a world. She in line for one fountain. hour to see a Belém. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that because, of course, in Rome and around Italy, they have the Persepi. Mm-hmm. And people make mm-hmm. a big um, passeggiata, paseo, mm-hmm. to visit all the churches and see That's the major similar. scenes. Similar in Madrid. Same thing in Madrid. Mm-hmm. And they call them Belém. Mm-hmm. The Bethlehems. Bethlehems, yeah. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're delving into little unique differences of Christmas as the holiday season is celebrated all over. Federico Garcia Barroso, Amanda Buttinger, Javier Menor. This is so much fun, you guys, talking about Christmas because a lot of people are planning to go to another country during the holiday season and they can be aware of a special dimension. Javier, what's one thing to remember if you're going to Madrid in the Christmas season? Late in Christmas, we have the Cabalgata de Reyes, the parade for the three kings, for the three wise men. Ah, And it's always on January the 5th, in the late afternoon, around 6 p.m. So Epiphany Eve. Epiphany Eve. It involves uh, hundreds of people participating. It involves uh, a lot of floats. And uh, that is the moment all children are waiting for the whole Christmas. They're building up. That's the, the momentum for that day. The finale. Amanda, what's another dimension of Christmas that you would be particularly tuned in if you were lucky enough to be uh, Enjoying some of the Christmas markets. I think the most spectacular Christmas market in Madrid is in the Plaza Mayor. They have stands set up throughout the squares, and they say, sell all pieces for your nativity scenes. Uh, They sell decorations. Exactly, collecting different styles. They also have muerdago mistletoe that you can buy, or fresh twigs of evergreens, and also something crazy. On the 28th of December, it's sort of like their April Fool's Day. So they sell wigs and different kinds of fun, crazy things which look out of place. And I love this notion that people kind of, it's either a tree or the manger scene. Mm -hmm. I'm all over the tree. I just love everywhere I travel. I'm picking up stuff. Oh, that'll be great on the tree, you know. And you can also do it for your massive manger scene. Exactly. And Federico, let's finish off our discussion of Christmas in Madrid. What's one song that that brings to mind the, the joy of this season for you when you're at home in Madrid? Yes, I remember. We remember being kids and, and learning all those songs, and still we remember those lyrics, those those melodies. Beautiful, beautiful songs. There is one that I especially like about the beauty of Mary. Mary is just brushing her hair. You see in next to a river, the birds are singing, the fish are jumping. You see the nature, beautiful nature. So because the Virgin she's, Mary is so important to the Spanish oh, yeah. Catholic approach to their exactly. faith. Exactly, yeah. and she's ready to give birth. You see Jesus, and it's, it's actually sung in an Andalusian way with a kind of a of a flamenco ah. sound, and it goes like this. La Virgen se está peinando entre cortina y cortina 
sus cabellos son de oro y el peine de plata fina. Ay, pero mira cómo beben los peces en el río, pero mira cómo beben por ver a Dios nacido. Beben y beben y vuelven a beber los peces en el río por ver a Dios nacer. Wow, you didn't know much of Silent Night, but you know all about the Mary song. That's pretty good. <laughs> and actually, that's going to be emotional because it's my childhood. And that's your childhood. And just in a nutshell, what were the lyrics in English? What were you saying? She's just brushing her hair just next to the river. She's in a house just opening those curtains and just watching there those animals and those happy, happy fishes, you see, just jumping over the river because Jesus is about to be born. And the thought that you singing it gave Javier... Childhood goosebumps. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Feliz Navidad, Federico, Javier, and Amanda. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. We'll celebrate the season in Ireland and in Scotland in just a bit. First, let's head to the heart of the Mediterranean to see what they're cooking up for the holidays on Sicily, the island in the far south of Italy. Lifelong Sicilian Alfio Di Mauro is our guide. Alfio comes from a large family in Catania. So he's here to tell us about the lively traditions they've enjoyed over the years at his house. Buon Natale, Alfio. Ciao, Rick. Now, in Sicily, basically everybody's from a Catholic family almost, right? Yeah. yeah. And if people are going to go to one Mass a year, Christmas. That would be a Christmas night. <laughs> so yeah. Christmas is a busy time. It is. How's a Sicilian Christmas different from an Italian Christmas? Sicilian Christmas is different because we not just celebrate the day of Christmas, but we also get together the night before. Okay. And we do this uh, big dinner that we call Il Cenone. That would which, be Christmas Eve on the 24th. Yeah, Christmas mm -hmm. Eve on the 24th. They don't do it in the north. Oh, the they don't do that in, in uh, Florence or Milan no. or something. Okay. No, it's typical from the And what's south. that like? Is it a big extended family? It's people? a big extended family gathering uh, every year we change. A different family. That, a different family a lot of work to host It's this. a lot of work. It must be a festival of Sicilian it, food. It is a festival of Sicilian food. Usually each family brings... Uh, okay, so potluck. It's a potluck, yes. And uh, what would you like to bring? I really like bacala alla ghiotta. It's a cod dish made with green olives, mm -hmm. capers, and potatoes. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, very what traditional. What else would you have at the table? Well, usually you have uh, something called impanate, which is a tradition that comes from Spain. It's like a dough filled with Swiss chards, kind of vegetables, uh -huh. potatoes, or with pecorino cheese. There is also the tradition of getting a stew, a pot roast. Pot roast, yeah. Yeah. And uh, would you have wine or bubbly? Definitely wine. Wine. Yeah. What's the dessert for Christmas? The typical dessert for Christmas, the national dessert, is called panettone, which is oh, like okay. a... Yeah, that's the same yeah. all over Italy. Then, all over Italy. Yeah. But in Sicily, we have traditionally something called buccellato, mm -hmm. which is a, like have a big donut mm -hmm. filled with candy fruit. Candied fruit. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, like fruit bread. Yeah, we have a, correct. We have a, a Christmas correct. fruit cake, yeah. Now, or pasta di mandorla, which is almond pastries. Now, okay. when you were a little kid, what did you look forward to most about Christmas in Sicily, and, and what did you dread? What did you not enjoy about Christmas? Uh, I am coming from a big family, and uh, Christmas, together with Easter, for instance, were those few occasions in the year to get the whole big family together around one table. And we were so many, and we have lots of cousins to play with, 
both my parents were one or eight eight kids siblings yeah, yeah. so family was big and i have such incredible memories of my childhood growing up with my cousins actually i believed that my cousins were kind of a brothers and sisters. So it was we chaos. So it was a, it was a pure chaos. <laughs> and how did the parents handle the chaos? Well, drinking wine. <laughs> drinking wine. So the parents are drinking wine, the kids are going crazy. Playing from room to room, and uh, there was so much food that so, we could not possibly and eat. And then, it. so how does the mass work in, and then how does Santa Claus work in? The cenone is usually something that starts around 8 o'clock, Cena in Italian means dinner. Oh, the dinner, okay. Yeah. So cenone is the humongous the dinner. Big, oh, cenone, like yeah, it's just the, the big. very big one. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, around 15 minutes before midnight, yeah. we will go to mass. Okay. So you've because, had a big dinner, the whole family yeah. is there, young and old, yeah. and lots of wine. And then, but then there was one big problem. And head there was on down one to big church. problem, not falling asleep yeah. during mass <laughs> because of the amount of food and wine. But we managed, and it was a very precious family time. Beautiful family time. Together around the table first and then going to Mass. Nice. And what about gifts? Because little kids are really excited about the gifts at Christmas. Does that happen on Christmas or more on January 6th? It changed. When I was little, actually, it was neither of those two dates. But it was All Souls Day in November, beginning of ah, November. Is that right? It is a Spanish tradition. And the tradition says that the member of the family that passed away would right. visit you on All Souls Day and bring you gifts. So that's an interesting spin on that. So the departed loved ones come back with gifts, an yeah, excuse to remember they, your departed loved ones. But they enjoyed to play little games with oh. you. So you are not finding the gifts on the table. They were hiding the gifts in the house somewhere. Okay. So as a little kid... So crazy grew, Uncle Alfonso would, would <laughs> hide the gifts somewhere. Correct. So your duty was to find those. And uh, one of the best days of the year for a Sicilian kid was to be uh, woke up in the morning by your mother or father and telling you, okay, it's time to start the hunt of the gifts. And there was always a little something that you never didn't find in a corner. Right. And one of the best things that your mother could say was, are you sure you got everything? <laughs> there must be something <laughs> that you didn't something. notice. Uh, and you were like warmer, so excited and searching for this thing yeah. all around. What so, the, what's the gift you remember the most? When I was little, I got bicycles. I got like cowboys and Indians. <laughs> and then going out in the streets to play with all of our friends. That was the second best part of the day, to show off what oh, you got. to show off what you got. Yes, so you yes. put on your cowboy belt and yeah. you have your gun. Yeah. And believe me, sometimes the street where I lived, which was like a dead end, so there was yeah. no traffic. Oh, the kids. It looked like the village people because <laughs> we were all dressed with all of these Indian cowboys and sheriffs and whatever. And we're playing with bicycles and using cowboy guns. And <laughs> Unfortunately, this uh, tradition it. passed. Uh, I mean, it was forgotten. Yeah. And uh, somehow, yes, gift under the Christmas tree. So now, uh, instead of All Saints Day, you have your gifts under the tree. Yep. And then the Christmas season is, is more than just uh, December 24 and 25. When does it start and when does it end in Sicily? Officially, under a religious point of view, uh -huh. the holidays start on December the 8th. What is called the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate of, Conception. Of the Virgin Mary. Of the Virgin Mary. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, you have the 24th and the 25th. And when is the Christmas season finished? 
it's basically after New Year's Eve with the Epiphany, which is uh, January the 6th. Okay, so you get almost 30 days, almost a month of Christmas. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're on vacation or kids don't no. go to school. But December the 8th is officially when you can put out your Christmas tree in your nativity scene in the ah. house together with all of the Christmas decorations and the lights and everything. Oh, so it's, there's an unwritten law that you don't, yes. uh, you, you wait until December 8th. Yeah, you don't do it before. And then hey. you take everything out after the Epiphany. After Epiphany. Yeah, on oh, the 7th. Right. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been celebrating a little bit of Christmas in Sicily with Alfio de Moro. And in Sicily, how do you say Merry Christmas? We usually say Buon Natale e Felice Anno Nuovo and Happy New Year. Okay. So we, we both say... Um, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Sì. Buon Natale e Felice Anno Nuovo. Grazie. E tu? <laughs> Grazie a te. Next, it's a Celtic Christmas with Kathy Ryan and Dara Herlihy from Ireland. And James McCletchie tells us about the subdued excitement on his remote island in the Outer Hebrides. We're glad you could share the season with us on Travel with Rick Steves. Ireland has a way of making everyone feel welcome. Let's find out what you'd find there during the Christmas holidays in a normal year. We're joined now by singer Kathy Ryan, and Kathy lives in County Louth in the northeast of the Republic. She's released several CDs of Irish music. And Dara Herley comes to us from Dingle in County Kerry in the southwest. Before the lockdowns, Dara hosted traditional Irish musicians at Nelligan's Pub and at his family's music store. Dara and Kathy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Kathy, you grew up in Detroit, and then you adopted Did. Ireland. Dara, you're a you're a Dingle boy, right? Yeah, I certainly am down the, the west of Ireland. Of Ireland yeah. Point. What are your childhood memories of, yeah. of Christmas? Do you know, I always love Christmas in Ireland um, because it's kind of a cold, crisp time of the year. But it's about people getting together, and we socialize, and we sing, and we play music, and you know, we put up lots of decorations. Obviously, being a child and Christmas is fantastic because you've got Santa Claus and so on and so forth. And there's just a real sense of warmth about it, even though it's cold and crisp out. There's a real love of the people and a real sense of joy, and just a very very relaxed, warm time of year um, inside. I absolutely adore Christmas in Ireland. You know, I really do. I do too, and I have spent Christmases there as a child and certainly as an adult. And when you land at Dublin Airport, there's a huge sign to greet you that says, Falcha Awalia, welcome home. What I love about Christmas is everybody comes home, whether they're in Australia, Canada, America, they're home, and for two solid weeks, it's visiting. You never lock your door. People come in, come out. You make a Christmas cake or you have nice treats aside. You always have good things to make sandwiches with, the and few jars. It's lovely because they all go yes. home again after the madness. <laughs> <laughs> but they come in the door and then when you go to the pub, everybody's there and you're meeting yeah. people you haven't seen in a year. And it's just, it's a brilliant time. There is a great warmth about it, I have there to is. say. It's very traditional. If you're in a touristy town like Dingle, there's probably kind of nice because there's fewer That's tourists in Wales. It is kind of a tourist town, but I find that the tourism in Dingle has really grown even in the off-season. But yeah. it's not yeah. like it doesn't have a feel of a tourist. There's still a great right. local element. People go out 
on Christmas morning our tradition is we first of all have our breakfast and then after breakfast we go and we visit all the houses it's not about gifts you go from house to house we visit the elderly we visit neighbours friends right. people we haven't seen in a long time you go from house to house and you go and you have a drink in every house although that's not so uh, or a cup, tea, a, a cup of tea a cup of tea, tea. Exactly. Yeah. A cup of tea and exactly. it lasts for I mean the holiday season the Christmas season goes for a couple of weeks I mean in different countries there's different key dates uh, Santa Lucia it's, it's mid-December in Scandinavia uh, La Bafana is uh, January 6th in Rome yeah. and so on. Yeah, and you have the 8th of December where we first of all put, uh, light the Christmas lights, the official lighting of the Christmas tree the lights. The 8th of December. The 8th of December, that's St. Mary's Day. And then we have the lighting of the Christmas tree and then on the 22nd is another big day. That's called the 12 pubs of Christmas. Uh, that's where we get together and you visit 12 different bars in groups and you pick <laughs> out 12 pubs. It's called the 12 pubs. It's a very friendly tradition in Ireland. And yeah. you literally go from pub to pub with friends who you mightn't have seen for a long time. And that's time. two days before you go to church. Christmas Eve. <laughs> we go to church every day in Ireland. So, you, so you go to church every yeah, day, but you go to pub pubs church, on the 22nd. So. Well, the pub is the church in Ireland, you see, Rick. Oh, <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Christmas Day, Christmas which is day. such a sacred day. Christmas and no, down too. tools. Christmas Eve is lovely. Big Christmas one. Day, and then the day after Christmas, huge parties, Wednesday. and then January sixth. I have to get this in. Nulleg Naman, Christmas for the women. Women's Christmas, exactly. Christmas so, for yeah. the women. The women don't cook, they don't clean, they do nothing, and the men <laughs> of the house serve them and take care of them for the day. The twelfth day of yeah. Christmas yes. is, is women's Christmas. It is Nulleg Naman. So the celebrations run from the eighth of December until the sixth of. I January. want to talk more about this woman's Christmas. So, Dara, are you a? Do you play along with this women's? Oh, day? absolutely. And the so. reason I play along I'm in the bar trade and uh, as a result all the ladies come out and uh, this year for example we did a lot of champagne with strawberries and it's a day where the women get to come out and they get to celebrate they leave their husbands and kids at home and the men do as they're told for one day of the year, which yeah. is a nice change. And <laughs> <laughs> it really is a wonderful celebration, you know, and I come from a very strong background it. of, uh, yeah. you know, traditions and so yeah. on and so forth. So my mother takes Nolik Naman extremely seriously, as does my sister. My yeah. sister lives in Australia, but they've also brought the tradition to Australia with them as well. So it's spreading like wildfire. And where I live, we bring our girl children with us if we're celebrating yeah. Nolik Naman. We want to get them into it young. Oh, to keep that tradition <laughs> going. Absolutely. Yeah. But the, the 26th of December, December in Dingle is an almighty yeah. party. That's the day after yeah. Christmas, to the huh. hunting of the wren. That's it. The wren oh. day. It's now, the hunting of the wren, that's kind yeah. of just a fiction, isn't it? Or what is yeah. the hunting of well, the wren? Well, I mean, there's, it's old and yeah. it's traditional. It, the wren sings in the winter. The wren is a lovely yeah. wee bird. And St. Stephen was running from his enemies and he ran and hid in a furze bush, which is very prickery. I don't know why he picked it. But the wren was hoisted on the branch and started singing, which gave away his position. So after that, it's said that you hunt a wren, you kill it, you put it on a pole, you parade it through the town, play music, get money. My grandfather always said, that's rubbish. And that's why they put that's the wren on top of the Christmas tree as well. No, that's they the put the wren on the tree. My grandfather would carve us a wren out of a potato <laughs> and we'd stick the pole in the potato and we'd carry him around because he believed that it was the new year. Oh, that part it of the was New the, Year's celebration. Yes. Because the days start to get longer. So now it represents sort of the beginning of longer evenings. You know, instead of getting dark at four, it gets dark at five. So it's a bit of a stretch in the evening. And this year for Rand's Day, and we do it every year, me and my entire family, we get a big tractor trailer down in West Kerry. You've seen the West Kerry roads. And yeah. we all get dressed up in these mad outfits, predominantly straw. You've actually seen Dingle the Cyril, the emblem. The big hats. Yes. The big hats. Yeah. And we go from house yeah. to house and we literally kick down their front door. It's a very friendly manner. And we walk in and we all play music and we all sing songs. And as a result, we have a 
little bucket with us and we gather money and all that money then gets donated to various local charities. <laughs> so it's something that stemmed back nice. from a long tradition has been modernised. Oh, and you know. Dingle does it like no place else. <laughs> Dingle. And yeah. up in the north they call it Mummer's Day in Northern Ireland. Okay. It's Mummer's Day and, and it's that would the also same be in tradition. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you paint your face, they can't know who you are and you yes. play them tunes yeah. and you sing songs and they give you money and you That's have the awful because you don't know who people are living in Dingle and you know, you've got so many people coming into the bar and they're wearing all these masks so the, it's like a, the freedom to behave in whatever manner oh. you <laughs> wish. Just it's sort of like the whole idea of carnival and masks. Yeah, you know so what I mean? You, <laughs> exactly. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Dara Herlihy and with Kathy Ryan. We're talking about an Irish Christmas. Kathy, you're, you're so beloved as a musician all over Ireland. I would imagine you've got hundreds of tunes in your repertoire. What is uh, the musical um, dimension of Christmas? Tell me what songs you look forward to singing. Uh, how does music play a role in Christmas in Ireland? It plays a really big part. There are lots of gorgeous Irish Christmas songs. I actually really love Silent Night in Irish. I think it's beautiful. Can you sing just a bit of that in Irish? Yeah. I'd love to hear the Irish, yeah. Oh, thank you. That would stir my Christmas spirit and stir my <laughs> Irish spirit, even if I didn't have any. <laughs> that is I think really you've got plenty, Rick. <laughs> that is beautiful. We have the concept of caroling, where you'd go house to house. Do you have the same thing in, in Ireland? Yes. Not so much where I live now, in Louth, but probably yeah, down, out down the west coast. Well, it's eased off. They're yeah. not doing it as much as they did I when think we the were in over. You have the um, Gaelic lyrics. Are the songs that you sing sort of the same ones we would do? Deck well, there's the some of them. And oh, wish yes. Wish you a Merry Christmas. And, yes. And a little town of Bethlehem and so on. Are Absolutely. There, and what about the, the goofy ones up on the housetop or uh, Jingle Bells? Yes, we, we do all of those. Yeah, and are there to. Irish ones that are as popular in your country as Jingle Bells would be in ours? Or is um, it pretty much all the same? I think we have a common songbook, thank God, because <laughs> yeah. it joins us all. I mean, it's great to have a holiday that has a songbook. Yeah, it is. We yeah, have a songbook. Yeah. But there are songs in Ireland that are are different. Like we revere the holly and that goes back to the times of the Druids, this evergreen plant growing in this barren time uh, to remind us oh. that the life force is still strong. And it's, oh, the holly, she bears a berry as white as the milk. And Mary, she bore Jesus and wrapped him in silk. And Mary, she bore Jesus, our Savior for to be. And the first tree in the greenwood, it was the holly, holly, holly. And the first tree in the greenwood, it was the holly. That could be one of ours. What is the name of that? The Holly Bears a Berry. See, I don't even know that song, and that could be catchy. And, and then in there are songs culture. about the wren. Oh, the wren, oh, the wren. He's the king of all birds. On St. Stephen's Day, he got stuck in the forest. Come on out, woman, and come on out, man. It's great. There's loads of Irish songs in Irish. You come to Ireland and carol with us. Oh, I, I, I love it. So now, how is Christmas time changing in modern times? Is it becoming more commercial or 
as many people going to church? I think very similar to the US. You know, we now have Black Friday for the last couple of years, and that's kind of creeping in, which obviously, as you know, is, a, is an American um, festive spending day, I guess, if you want to call it that. It is kind of materialistic in some ways, particularly for children. They all want their yeah. Xboxes and so on and so forth. So there's always going to be that element of it. Right. But I think that the core value of it still very much exists with, you know, so much emigration after 2008, so on and so yeah. forth. A lot of people coming home back to Ireland for the Christmas period. In Ireland, you've got the diaspora and all the emigration and people coming home and thinking about home yeah. in the old country. You've got uh, the strong Catholic heritage. Yeah. And you've also got a stronger connection, I think, to your pre-Christian roots and all of the pagan wondering, is winter going to go forever or will spring Celebrating come back? Celebrating the solstice. Yes. Celebrate exactly. the solstice. Yes. So all of that sort of invigorates the whole way you would celebrate the Christmas season. Yeah, but I think a lot of it probably gets diluted down over the centuries as well. It is kind of nice that we still have the core value of what Christmas represents, which is about being together, songs, dancing, and so on and so forth. And also, I like the solstice because it's a reminder, even before Christmas, yeah. that there's something greater than us. Yeah. We take the sun and the moon and the things that warm us and help things grow for granted, but it's a time to revere them. Hey, well, Dara and Kathy, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, best wishes next year. How do you say Merry Christmas in Irish? Nolikona. 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 Hona is to you, Nolik is Christmas, so Nolik Hona is basically Happy Christmas. Nolik Hona. Nolik Hona Vitas. And Blianov Lashigot is Happy New Year to you. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. Thanks Thanks a lot. There's more with Kathy and Dara on an Irish Christmas on our website at ricksteves.com slash radio. We're heading out to sea now to see how Christmas looks on the socially distant island where James McClatchy lives. His home is on Oist. It's in the Outer Hebrides of Scotland. It's shared by only 1,200 people. James joins us in an interview we recorded before the pandemic. Thank you, Eric. In the United States now, Christmas time, all the houses are decorated, all the shopping malls are packed. What's it like on a tiny island on the outer rim of Scotland with 1,200 people? What's it like when you were a child, and what's it like today? Well, my first ever Christmas, I was fostered there, and I'd never known a Christmas. And I arrived here and Christmas was coming up and my mum was a head teacher in a small school with 25 pupils and we'd have a little party in the school and all the children would do their little acting and dancing. Santa Claus would come into the school. It was my dad dressed up as Santa Claus and he'd give you the presents. And then Christmas Day itself came and my first Christmas, I ran down the stairs in the house and my mum, because of the religion, she was a free Presbyterian, there was no decorations in the house. But behind the curtain were these presents. And I remember getting a bicycle, my first ever bicycle, this red and white bicycle. And it was the most amazing experience. Through the years, it's changed slightly. The population's grown slightly older. Christmas is still held in many of the houses. But we don't have any decorations along the road because the islands are so big, you'd have to go to the main town of Stornoway where the main population are. And just down my village, there's a little house that gets decorated by the dad outside and I drive home every night and I stop outside this house and all these lights are flashing on and off and it's just amazing to see it. Huh. So it's coloured lights and all the sort of things that you yeah, have the, in a big that's city. what you'd expect to see in a traditional on, on place. On your island and it's, it's almost out of place there. Yeah, but religiously uh, they go to church on a Sunday, they do have, uh, the, on a Christmas day, it's more or less like a Sunday. You treat it like a Sunday, you have your dinner. So this is the Free Presbyterian. Yeah, and the Church of Scotland as well, so Christmas in day. In other words, it's quite austere. Yeah. It is. It's just another holy day. Yeah. And, and you'll go to church and read the Bible. And Will you sing special songs? 
they'll sing some special psalms the night before they'll have a psalm singing in Lochmaria, one of those areas in South Hughes which is dominantly Catholic they have a lot more going on there but it's a time for reflection for many people it's a time to go and share yeah. with friends we go and visit our neighbours that are uh-huh. just up the road we bring them gifts we welcome them on the Christmas but we usually wait till after they've had their dinner we might go there early evening that night to exchange of gifts and they'll come to our house as well. So it's, it's a very beautiful time as well. It's a time for you to connect again with your neighbours because today in the 21st century we tend to have lost a bit of that because of the way we are with television and everything. So you must have grown up in the, in the 60s and that sort of time. Yeah. Uh, for children today on your island, is it essentially the same or has there been a dramatic change in one generation? There's been a, ma- a dramatic shift in from what I've seen as a child. So um, would you say it's different now? In those days, you went to more houses. The houses were more open for you. You would go down. I could go and visit anybody in, in the village. I, could, I still could, but Christmas was a time there where the whole family would come home. So you'd get to see lots of different people. Today, it's much harder for people. We notice a lot more people leaving the island to go to the cities, to see the lights, to experience the joy of Christmas, to go to the markets in Edinburgh oh, yeah. and all of those places, because we don't have that. Uh, remember, we have no streetlights, it's just uh, darkness. Today is a more affluent time. People have the money to go to the big city, they have the uh, communication, they know what it's like. There's that draw of the big city. It's probably a challenge in small, tiny islands, remote communities all over the Western world, is this gravity of the big cities, where the action is, where the, where the jobs are, where the great entertainment is. But do you still have the, the simplicity of the church service and the, the family gift-giving and, and the gifts behind the uh, curtain? Yeah, we still have that there. And when you go to the church, it's your chance as well to wish everybody a happy Christmas. But we tend to move on to our main celebration is New Year. Okay, so how do you do New Year? Well, New Year is we have what's known as the first footing. We will wait for the bells, as you call it. And up the village from me, you'll see somebody coming outside, firing a shotgun in the air to let you know that the New Year has come. And then we would gather a little bag of whiskey, gin, vodka, and we'd first foot into all the houses through the village. First foot? Yeah. What does that mean? You are the first foot in the door at New Year. Ah. And you wish them a happy New Year. So you give them a drink from you. They then become the host and they give you a drink. And it's expected to be reciprocated as well, that they are come to you. So my neighbour comes to visit us on New Year's Day. You'll see them coming down the path with a little torch at night and you hear the clink of the bottles. And it's a fantastic tradition. You're getting rid of the old year, and we're looking forward to the new year. Is it a time a small town can overcome a few grudges and, and disagreements? Is it a new beginning? Yeah, it's a new beginning. And the thing about small villages is we may have our disputes with each other, but we can never really fall out with each other because you at the end of the day... Each other. We, you're we, right there. Yeah. You're sharing your, your struggle for existence. We rely on each other. Yeah. Uh, and New Year is a chance to welcome you into each other's homes because going back in, in historical times, the door was always open. Yeah. It would be unnatural to have a door closed in you when you came to our house. Right. And today they come down and you open and you welcome them into your house. It's a lovely feeling. It's a real, And you also have what's known as house calies at that time. Uh, lots of different people will congregate in the village. You'll get songs, you'll get people playing the bagpipes, the accordion, informal calies. And this happens to this day? To this in, day. Informal calies. What yeah. a beautiful moment that must be. You just never, and you get men in their 70s standing up reciting poetry and singing songs of 15 verses. I struggle to sing songs of three verses. Yeah. And they're reciting stuff they learned in school and poetry. Uh-huh. And it's amazing. And the respect for those elders as well is still there. It's still there. It's yeah. surviving. Yeah. And what's the instrumentation at Achille these days? We normally have, the accordion is very traditional. A lot of people have learned to fiddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll have some people on cantarach, on the chanter. 
Uh, and then of course you'll have the bagpipes maybe outside. What's the chanter? What the the chanter is uh, how they originally learned the bagpipes. It's oh, a lower, like a, a flute. Yeah, it's a almost a, yeah. The bagpipes you hear them playing outside, and yeah. people just they do whatever they can. And is this done in Gaelic or in English? In English, quite a lot. But there's certain houses within each community that you would go and visit. They're bigger houses, and they were always known as the social gathering houses. Uh-huh. And we go in there, and the strange thing about it is everybody gives you a drink. Yeah. And you just never know what's going to be in your glass. I remember being at one, um, the Millennium, we had whiskey and wine in the same glass. And believe me, it's not good for you. Ah. Um, but a fantastic experience. I and would imagine whiskey is an integral part of these celebrations being in Scotland. It's an amazing part. It, it tends to be a, a blend rather than a malt because uh-huh. there's just so many people there going around. So it's about maybe £15 pound a oh, bottle. Okay. But you give everybody a drink. And James, Seamus, I should say, yeah. because we're going to speak Gaelic now. Can you wish me a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in Gaelic? In the same to you. Thank you. Travel with Rick Steves is produced at Rick Steves Europe in Edmonds, Washington by Tim Tatton and Kazmarol Hall. Our web team includes Amara Kitnacone and Andrew Wakeling. Promotion support comes from Sheila Gerzoff and our theme music is by Jerry Frank. You'll find more at ricksteves.com radio. We wish you a warm and beautiful holiday season from all of us at Travel with Rick Steves.